Hello, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Teresa Greco. On the Happy Hour is where you will learn about the principles and practices that lead to true inner happiness, which is unwavering in abundance and is not dependent on you buying, earning, achieving, searching, or doing anything to be happy. A huge weight can be lifted off of your shoulders when you know there's a part of you that is always happy. You just need to make time to connect with it. On the show, my guests and I explore the latest physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being practices. And together, we'll advise you on the actionable steps you can take towards a happier, more fulfilled, authentic life. The happiness principle for today's show is living an extraordinary life. There's a saying by George Carlin that goes, life is tough and then you die. We didn't come to earth to be unhappy. As souls, we didn't choose to have an earthly experience to be miserable and then die. If we are love, peace, and happiness at our core, how could we have a life that is anything other than that? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting we're supposed to have a fairy tale life filled with only laughter and good times. How would our soul learn, grow, and expand if we didn't have trials and turbulations to show us more about ourselves and the innate gifts we have that the challenged uh, the challenge or hardship allowed us to discover the point i'm trying to make is although we have challenges we are going to have to work through we can always choose to take the necessary steps that can help bring us back to who we really are on today's show, we're going to be speaking about the steps we can take to realign ourselves with our innate happiness by looking at the Mental Freedom Program. Everyone, I'd love to introduce you to Kim Olver. She is our guest today on the Happy Hour. Welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you so much, Teresa. It's truly an honor to be here. Now, Kim, I haven't introduced you yet to the audience because I wanted you actually to do it uh, for yourself. Um, you are an incredible woman with a background that spans really across the globe with all of the experience and knowledge um, that you've had and all of that that really brought you to creating mental freedom. So if you could give us a better understanding of your awesomeness, that would be great. <laughs> okay, Teresa, I don't know about all the awesomeness. So for me, I don't know where you want me to start, but I'll start by saying my background is in psychology and counseling. That's what I went to school for. And I was um, uh, married with two sons and my husband passed away when he was only 37 and my boys were 13 and 15. And I would say that that kind of started my journey of mental freedom at that point because it was a real crisis point for me. Uh, my husband was the strict one in our house and I was the pushover mom. And being the pushover mom of two strong-willed teenage boys is not going to work to produce responsible adult males. 
So I had to learn some new parenting skills and develop some new thinking skills. And the thing that I always had since 1987, I was introduced to choice theory psychology by William Glasser. And I'd been teaching it and working with those concepts for a long time, um, at least a decade uh, by the time that my husband passed away. And I had many points in my life where things would happen where I needed to fall back and rely on choice theory. So I already mentioned my husband's illness and death. He was sick for five years and then raising those boys by myself. And then my youngest child decided to go to Iraq and uh, join the army, which was probably one of the hardest things I've ever dealt with. He got back from there and decided to go again. He volunteered to go the second time. And then uh, mm -hmm. the most recent thing I would say was in tw 2014, when I was in a hot air balloon accident and broke both my legs and had to be in a wheelchair for several months. And then of course, we've, we all experienced the pandemic. And it was the pandemic where I finally had the time to reflect on how I'd used choice theory in my life, what I'd learned in this lifelong journey of using these principles. And that's where I created mental freedom from. It's like, you can learn choice theory, and a lot of people know choice theory, and it's a heady intellectual knowledge. The magic of choice theory is when you start to actually live it, but there's not instruction really about how to live it. And that's what I wanted to create Mental Freedom to do, is to teach people how to put these amazing ideas into practice in their life, to live without the drama and without the misery that we tend to self-create for ourselves. And there's going to be enough misery that we don't self-create because things are going to happen to us that we don't want to happen, but we'll be able to manage them so much better if we understand and are using mental freedom. So that's where I was coming from. And for me, I say, thank God uh, for the pandemic, not that it didn't bring all these horrible things and and many people suffered deeply through the pandemic and I'm not making light of that. It was horrific. But for me personally, it gave me the space and the room I needed to really think about the creation of mental freedom because otherwise my life was just, okay, what's the next thing I have to do? And the next thing I have to do, and I was just on a hamster wheel doing all things that I loved, it was all good stuff, but it it just didn't allow for a lot of self-reflection. So it was critical to the development of mental freedom. And so maybe um, I'll share a little bit about how I got involved then with mental freedom. That would be great. So um, as you mentioned, you know, two years prior, you and I had connected, you were a guest on the other show that I have just called The Steps to Happiness. And you had introduced mental freedom, which at that point intrigued um, me, because you mentioned that it was a program that was really designed to deal with what I call the blocks to our happiness that things happen to us on a day-to-day -day basis, as well as things that we bring along with us from the past, that really does take away our mental freedom, that at the core of who we are, we are love, peace, and happiness. 
And then the world seems to get its claws into us and then pulls us away from all that. And it is really about how do we realign ourselves with that love, peace, and happiness again. And we are not taught or given the tools that we need to realign ourselves, that a lot of us are going around with not a lot of emotional intelligence, right? That things happen to us. We don't even know how to process, you know, what's what's going on. Even and, and even never mind outside of ourselves, but just within ourselves. And we don't have the tools that we need to be able to do that. And what I love about your program is that it really does in just six weeks give people the tools they need in order to help themselves. And that if we think about even the word mental freedom, so I would love you know to find out why you decided to call it that. Um, because I think that that is also such a great reflection of what your program provides for people. Well, I'll answer first of all about not having the tools. And I think it's it's true, and I'm not trying to bash the counseling community because I happen to be part of that community. And I think that counselors are amazing people who do good work with people. But we have been trained to believe that when we have emotional distress, that we need a professional to help us through it. And in essence, we do because we don't have the tools. Like you say, I call it information. We don't have the information we need to be able to DIY our own uh, emotional distress. But we certainly could with the information. So that's part of what mental freedom was about, is to give people the tools they need to manage whatever distress they're going through, and in some cases, even prevent the distress from happening in the first place, and certainly to process it after the fact. So it's kind of a before, during, and after process. And I believe and have total faith that the vast majority of people in this world could handle their own uh, psychological, emotional challenges if they had the information in mental freedom. I think it's not only possible, but I think it just makes sense to do that. And I'm not trying to put counselors out of business because there will always be people who want professional help and who want to have someone who can be their guide. And we even do that in mental freedom. We'll give you the information, but maybe you want a guide to help you through your own specific challenges. Maybe the general information wasn't enough to help you get over that hurdle. So that is the first thing. And the second question, remember, remind me again what why that you was. Decided to, yeah, why you decided we'll call to call it mental freedom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I didn't mention in my introduction that I had the honor of being asked if I would be the executive director of William Glasser International in 2010. And I started to do that in 2010, and I just stopped in 2023. So it was 13 years that I was working with William Glasser International, and I was able to see some of the challenges that Dr. Glasser had in getting his work out into the general public. And one of the things that prevented it, I think, is the name he used because I don't think there's many people sitting around their houses or their jobs with their families who are saying, man, I need some more choice theory in my life. But I think there's a lot of people 
who would wish to have more mental freedom in theirs. So I wanted to have a name that was, you know, kind of household language that would have people saying, yes, that's what I need, mental freedom. And so that's where the name came from for me, is trying to make it a household word, not something esoteric. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that for me, when I think of mental freedom, I think of peace, right? Our return to peace and protecting our peace, that when things happen to us, how do we come back to that place of, of peace that we are? How do we uh, protect our peace when we're in environments that that are made that's maybe again drawing us away? Um, what resonated very much with me, which is why I decided to become uh, one of your certified practitioners, is that my brand and my philosophy is also the steps to, about giving people the steps they need to help themselves that my own personal journey that I've been on my happiness one for over 10 years and I have encountered and work with um, different practitioners but always also on the basis of like them delivering some information some knowledge and then me doing the work so EFT for example that was something that was like oh what's this all about Oh, well, luck, you know, luckily Nick Ortner wrote a book and it, you know, step by step, you're able to do it on your own and you're able to like to process what's going on by using the tools to get yourself to a better place. And so mental freedom for me is exactly that, giving people the tools they need to be able to go inward and really address the things that you know within yourself that you don't have to divulge to someone else unless you want to. But a lot of the pain that I was going through, I didn't feel comfortable talking about it. That especially in the very beginning, I, I had gone into a very deep and dark hole where I didn't think anyone would even understand what it is that I had to say. And so a lot of the tools that I use allowed me to work on to, and to work through the things that, that were painful for me. And so I love mental freedom for that, which is why I have incorporated it as one of the two one of the two toolkits, let's say that I have under my umbrella, that one of them is the, the toolkit that helps us to work through the blocks that are preventing our happiness. And then the other side is what are the tools that we can incorporate that can connect us to that place of happiness. So for me, happiness is like a two-sided coin. One side is what could be blocking you from feeling the happiness that you are. And the other side is how much time are you spending connecting to that place of happiness inside you. So you also know need to know what those tools are that can help you to realign. So I find that like both of those two programs really complement each other. I am sure that they do. And I also, from what you were just saying, I wanted to make two points. The first one is just because you know mental freedom doesn't mean that you're never going to be out of balance again, right? Life is going to come and it can knock us down but we're not going to stay down. And that's the thing. I think we both used the same analogy at one point where we said it helps you write your ship faster than you would ever be able to do it without. Yeah. So that's one thing. Um, the second thing is when I first created Mental Freedom, I know you 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 have some understanding of marketing kind of like I do because we're people who 
help other people. We're not marketers, but we also need to get the word out. So we know some about marketing. And one of the things that you learn about marketing is when you have a new offering, who are you offering it to? And you can't offer it to everyone because then no one will find out about it. You have to know who you think this program is for. And the very people I developed it for were people like you, Teresa. People, professional women, this is what was my initial target group, professional women who are seen as people that are all together with all the answers. Other people come to them to get answers, but they have some things that they can't talk to anybody about mm -hmm. because how could they say that this altogether answer person also has some questions or also has some struggles? So they hide it. And mental freedom is the kind of thing where you never have to tell me what your problem is. Of course, you could get more specific, individualized information if you share it, but you don't have to. You can just take the general principles and apply them towards whatever problem you have. And I can almost guarantee that it's going to get better. I only say almost because if you don't have a clear understanding of how to apply it, you might not be applying it right. But I think um, it will help you uh, if you learn it and put it to use. Better if you share the problem, but you never have to. And that's something I don't know that you'll ever have a counselor tell you that. You come to me, I can help you whether you tell me what's wrong or not. Mm. But I really believe it. I know I have worked with people who did not want to share and it's okay. They got benefit. Mm -hmm. And that's the other component to your program is that it's psychoeducational. That for me as an educator, um, as my background, that... I love to teach and I love to teach, you know, I teach tech, but I also uh, would love to talk more about and share more about the um, health and, and well-being uh, practices and tools that we can integrate to live our happiest life. And so um, the fact that it's delivered in the psychoeducational way, if you could explain a little bit more about uh, what that is and why you just you decided to do it in that fashion. Well, I think because what we said in the beginning, the reason people aren't able to write their ship is because they don't have the information. And so you want to give them the information and then help them personalize it and apply it. That's the method that I wanted to use. So there are six tools or principles, and each one of them is delivered in one session. So in six sessions, you can get the fullness of the Mental Freedom Program. And I like to start each session by checking on how they did with application from the last session. Then I teach the material for the session that we're in. And then I'll ask how they're going to apply it in the time between our next sessions. And so that's the that's the structure of it. And the reason I did it that way is because I think people need the information before they can apply it. So that means it has to be educational. I have to teach. And then I want to process. So coaches and counselors alike use this, this program and the information doesn't change. So the curriculum is the same for coaches and counselors, but the processing afterwards would be different. If you're with a counselor, the counselor should be talking about how did you get here? What is it from your history that brought you to this place? How are you feeling about 
this information. So a coach, on the other hand, would be looking at where are you now and where do you want to go to and what are the steps to getting you there? So this information can be processed in a counseling way or a coaching way. It just depends on what your background is and what you're trying to do with that particular client. Mm -hmm. And I love that in just six weeks, people have all the tools they need to be able to apply to any situation, whether it's something from the past, whether it's something that's happening now, or whether it's something that they're projecting into the future. So how is it that you've been able to do this, which it's it's been proven that you've had you have certified practitioners around the world that work with a variety of different people in a variety of different spaces and yet all of us are saying the same thing that it doesn't matter uh, what the situation is what the problem is what is taking your mental freedom that in that these tools that you've been able to put together in in just 6 weeks is able to be applied to anything that comes your way. I say anything so far because we haven't found the thing that it hasn't applied to. I had one woman come to me for help with her job. She was very unhappy with her job, so much so that she was kind of borderline eating disorder because of the lack of control she felt she had over this job and her ability to leave it. And we started off with mental freedom and I thought she was applying it to her job in her mind as we went through it and that's where it started. But over time, what we learned was amazing because it really wasn't the job itself. It was the fact that her husband didn't want her to leave and really wasn't hearing her when she said, I don't know if I can do this anymore. And to be fair to him, she wasn't communicating that very effectively. So the idea is you might think you have one problem. And when you start applying the mental freedom principles, you realize well, there are some other things in my life I might need to be looking at. It's not the thing that I thought it was. That's where the most acute pain was. But you'll discover that it may be something else. And you may even discover... I think it hasn't been around long enough yet, Teresa, but I think that going through the mental freedom, uh, either going through the sessions or going through the workbook, maybe once a year would be really helpful because you might work on a problem in 2023. And in 2024, if you go through it again, you might say, oh, you know, there's this thing that I might be able to use this on. Mm -hmm. So I think it has lifetime application. And I think it's not like a once and done thing. This is a, you learn it, you incorporate it, you personalize it, and then it kind of becomes your compass mm -hmm. really for the rest of your life until something better comes along. So yeah. um, I find it's been helpful. You said um, the people that I pulled together. Yeah, I was so lucky about having uh being the director of William Glasser International because I've made contacts and friendships with people literally around the globe in a lot of different settings. And so the people who came forward to help me with the research, uh, they were from many different countries working with many different populations. We had people working with formerly incarcerated individuals. Mm -hmm. 
We had people working with domestic violence. We had people working in the medical profession, uh, people working in private practice. We had a group of people who are working in drug and alcohol. And the, the results that they were reporting, they were amazed because they'd been in this field for you know, some people for decades, and they say, I've never seen people get better so quickly. And I just feel so good about it. And I don't feel like I'm bragging here, because I think that this is really solidly based in choice theory. So I feel like I'm just expanding the information and the tools that William Glasser gave to me. And one of the things William Glasser did when I worked with him, it was the most, most exciting and equally frustrating thing to work with a theorist who was still living because every year we'd go to his conferences and he'd have new information for us to devour and and you feel like man i just got caught up from last year and now you're giving me something new there was never a time to sit back and and just bask in the glory of what we knew because there was always more to know mm-hmm. so i i feel like this does exactly what Glasser would have done himself if he were still with us, is he'd be stretching what he presented. And this is my stretch of choice theory, is is mental freedom. And it, I couldn't be more excited about What it. I love about what you just said is that the program is, is all based in science. And that that's important for people to know, that it's not just something that, you know, you kind of came out came out of from left field, that it was based on all of this research that that was all part of choice theory and that you gave a very practical spin to that could be applied to people that are going through a variety of different challenges and hardships in their life. That, you know, from the very extreme with people in, in, in jail to those that were university students where you also delivered it, right? So it is really spanning the full gamut of of age groups as well, um, and as well as situations. Um, and And to still to think that it's so succinct that in just the six tools. So I have like a cheat sheet that you gave me that has all of the six tools on it. And after the program, it's like a one pager that you can carry with you and refer back to. So something's taking your mental your mental freedom, your peace away from that day, whether it was like something that happened on the road as you were driving to work or like a disagreement that you had with somebody, or there's just been so many situations that happen on a day-to-day basis that sometimes, you know, are bigger, but sometimes it's just the small little things that happen to like piss you off that day. And that you can look at the one pager and say, okay, which tool can I use here to be able to bring me back to a place of peace? And they they really, they really are that. So one, if I may, I wanted to share one of the tools. And it's week two, the unconditional trust challenge. And I think that this, this particular tool can be a little bit tricky for people. Because one, we're unconditionally trusting them (laughs) to do what they need to do to to fulfill whatever need it is that 
that uh, they need to fill. So maybe if you could share a little bit more about uh, this particular week's tool and um, and then I can share why some of um, the people that I've worked with, why they found it a little bit tricky. Yeah, I would love that. So <clears throat> I know it can be tricky because I use the word trust in an unconventional way. So conventionally, when someone says, I trust you, if we boil that down, what they're really saying is, I trust you to be the person I think you are in my head or the person I want you to be in my head. So if you've ever been the parent of a teenager that you left home for the weekend or overnight because you were going away, you'll say, now I'm going to trust you to do the right thing while I'm gone. Now, I don't know too many teenagers who are always going to choose the right thing when their parents aren't watching. I know I didn't as a teenager. <laughs> I still remember some of the things that I did. So you're not really trusting when you say that. It's almost like you're putting the guilt on them. I'm trusting you, so you better not let me down. And that's just one example. With teenagers, we do it with our life partners, too. We trust them to be a particular way. We trust them to fulfill promises that they made to us. And people want to do those things, but there is this sticky, messy thing called life that sometimes gets in our way that causes us to reorder our priorities in any given moment. So I say, instead of trusting people to be who you want them to be, you will become much more mentally free when you learn to trust people to do this one thing that I know every single one of them is going to do. And that is every single person in any given moment is doing the best they can to get what they want in that moment. And that may frustrate you because it's not what you want them to want. It's not a good thing. You're not trusting them to be a good person. You're trusting them to do their best in that moment to get what they want. What happens when you do that is you gain a lot of clarity. Clarity and unconditional trust challenge go hand in hand. Because now you have the clarity to see what they wanted in that moment and you also get to see the best behavior they had to get it. So now that you can see that, you're not trying to change them. You're trying to accept, okay, this is who they are. This is what they wanted. Now you, and this goes back to the first one about responsibility, you have the responsibility to decide what, if any, changes you want to make to your relationship with this person based on your newfound clarity. What I hope happens, the decision you make is totally your responsibility. But aside from that, what I hope happens when you accept this unconditional trust challenge, you can stop judging other people for the things they do. You can start to develop some compassion, like, wow, you must have really wanted that thing, whatever it is. And you might even be sad that that was the best behavior they had to get it. But you develop this compassion that can lead to forgiveness. <clears throat> and I'm not a fan of forgiveness, like you're forgiving for them, you're forgiving for yourself. Mm -hmm. Because I'm, I really am connected to this 
it's unattributed quote that says holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm -hmm. So if that's what you're doing when you hold a grudge, what kind of mental freedom is that? So you want to let go of those, I'm so mad because of what you did and say, wow, I understand what you did. And maybe I'm sad about it. Maybe I don't like it. Using the unconditional trust challenge doesn't mean you have to be happy about what people are doing, but it it will give you the clarity you need to redefine the relationship if that's what you need to do. And sometimes it's even end the relationship if that's what you need to do. And on the other end, it might be, wow, I see who you are now. I'm going to jump right in head first, full bore. So I just really love the Unconditional Trust Challenge. And believe me, if you read my book, you'll understand what that was born from. But it was born from pain, my pain. <laughs> I was trusting these two people in my life to be the people I wanted them to be. And they had a different agenda, which makes so much sense. If you read the book and you read this example, you're going to say, well, Kim, of course. But it wasn't that obvious to me at the time. And I've forgiven them both, and I still love them, and they still love me. So it can all work out well in the end, but I'm not putting myself through mental anguish like I was during an entire weekend. So mm -hmm. that's the unconditional trust challenge for me. What was it for you? Well, it's important, too, that we always go back to Blaster's five basic needs, and that understanding that people are always doing what they need to do to have those those needs met or those containers full and that they're not always full they're fluctuating different things happen and then in our attempt not even in in many cases it's not even conscious for us right but because of the circumstances that are happening we're trying to fill whatever need might be running low for us at that time and understanding and knowing what those those basic needs are is where I feel like that week's week's two tool, the one that you just shared, is that you can now understand by looking at someone's action and saying, oh, okay, I see that they were just trying to fill their freedom bucket when they decided not to do this work at home that I really needed them to do. So, you know, back to my kids is that they have like certain chores that they have at home and they won't do it because they're out having fun with their friends <laughs> or getting their love and be belonging fulfilled because my daughter has a boyfriend. And so I can see how in those moments she chooses to fill those buckets over the ones that I want her to fill. So it's like, okay, I understand. It, it really does bring you that clarity and understanding of like, you know, what was that motivation that drove their choice in doing whatever it was that, that they that they had to do? And and it's not about whether we, we like it or not. And that's important for us to understand, Kim, is that we cannot control anything outside of ourselves, nothing. Not, not, not those closest to us, not people in our community or our country or the whole world. All of that is outside of our control. Then all we have control over is our response to it. And when we can realize that, that you have no control over anything outside of yourself, is that you can release 
all of that, that expectation, those perceptions around why people do things the way that they're doing, all of that can, can you can let go of it. And therefore, now you can realize that you have complete control over what's happening in your own life. And I like to to use the analogy of that all of us are in our own happiness bubble, that I say, my I'm in my bubble, my bubble, my happiness goes everywhere that I go, but I have complete control of what happens inside of that bubble. So when the different things happen to me, I can think about, okay, what am I, what am I doing inside of my bubble? Right. So that's where, you know, the the lesson about the narrative you're in your head is so important that when you realize that 99% of how we see the world is our own personal perception, 1% is actually how it is. So you and I could be looking at the very same object or situation and looking at it in completely different ways. And that's because we're basing it on our own background, our own experience, our own knowledge, all of that. So can you imagine 99%? And that's why I think even you give the example of, you know, um, a traffic accident, and why a police officer will go and try to get the the perspective and information from a wide variety of people to try to get to the truth because the truth where the 1% that's there is that, okay, let me ask everybody else. That's all looking at it through their own lens, 99% of their own. So there are so many great elements and nuggets of information that even within the six weeks there are so many great examples too that you that you incorporate in the program that as you said the curriculum is the same so when you work with a certified practitioner they are delivering the program as you as you intended it but also bringing in knowledge from their practice and information from um, the participants in the program too Right. I think that one of the most effective ways to teach is through stories. And it's how I teach. And so part of the Mental Freedom Certification Program is to develop your own stories. So you can take mine right out of the curriculum and put your own stories in there, whether they're yours or stories from your clients, so that you are feeling these concepts. You have been living these concepts and you're not just talking about some concept that I dreamt up, you're talking about how it affected you because our clients, they need that connection. It's the thing that makes you more authentic is, hey, I've been where you are. I use this principle. This is how it helped me. And that's how I've constructed the program. That's what I think makes it effective. I I now talk, I don't think you've heard this before, Teresa, this is a new thing that I just put in the book, but I talk about the head, heart, and hands of mental freedom. Mm. And I talk about how you can learn the principles. You could read my book, you could um, read the curriculum, and you'll have the principles. They're in your head, you have knowledge, you know what they are. You might be able to regurgitate them on a test if we had such a thing. But that's not good enough to be able to really use mental freedom in the world, you have to get the heartfelt sense of mental freedom by applying it to yourself and making different choices and experiencing different outcomes and feeling the increase in your mental freedom. And once you've experienced that, then you can use your hands 
to help other people when they're in their own distress. But if you try to go right from head to hands, that heart piece is missing and clients aren't going to feel it. Your friends aren't going to feel it. They're going to think, oh yeah, you read a book. Okay, big deal. <laughs> it's like, tell me how this really works. And that's where the stories come in. And I think that they're, they're so important because that's what connects with people. People like a good story. And I always say, don't make up stories. Don't pretend you're, you've lived this. You have to give real examples because clients know the difference. People know the difference. You don't have to be a client. Anybody knows the difference between something that really happened to you. You can feel it. It's a heartfelt sense that this person has really been through what I've been going through or something similar. And what they're talking about made a difference. And I think that's why when I'm looking for trainers to do the mental freedom program, because I'm not going to be able to train everybody who wants to be trained. I'm looking for people who had a significant transformation in their mental freedom experience. And the way I'm going to know that is through their stories. Mm -hmm. So it's important. Mm -hmm. Two parts that I want to draw because um, I want to connect to what you just said, just for you know how it, it applied to me. Um, but I want to just point out the fact that the great thing about this program is that once you know the tools yourself, as you said, you've gone through that heart, I'm sorry, head, heart, and then you're at the hands part, that you're able to help other people with the information, right? So that's the other great that I had, you know, the, pe the people in my program, and, you know, I had different cohorts of, of uh, groups that they were able then to share those tools with their kids, whether they were teenagers or, or a little bit younger than that, that they were able to apply these tools and say, okay, how could you, you know, let's look at the story that you're telling yourself. And, you know, is this true? Is this right? Uh, can you be 100% um, positive, like all of the different parts of it. And so that's the other great element of this is that it really does then extend out to in those that are in, in your circle, those that you can also empower with the tools. So that I love that part of it too. Um, when you were talking about sharing your personal stories, I think that that for me is, is really important. And it was some of the feedback that I got back from the people that worked with me that they said, Teresa was really vulnerable with us that allowed us to feel like we could be vulnerable with her, that she shared in like very personal information and that, you know, they, they saw me cry at a couple different points with some of the information that I shared from my own happiness journey and that they then felt that there was a safe space there for them to be able to share some of the things that they were also working through. So I think that that part is so important. Um, I mean, I think it happens on the group level and the individual. So do you have um, any thoughts about how the program is different, whether somebody chooses to go with the group option or whether they choose to go with the one-on-one? -on -one? Sure. Well, <clears throat> there's pros and cons to each, right? The good thing about doing it individually is you get 100% of the attention. It can be very personalized to you and your experience. And you also have the privacy of not sharing what's happening with anyone unless you choose to share it with the person that you're working with. In the group experience, you get the benefit of other people's experiences. 
And you realize, like you shared when you were talking about the beginning of your happiness journey, you felt like nobody would understand what was going on with you. Mm -hmm. But when you go into a group experience, you realize, oh my gosh, all the connections, like I had that happen to me and I felt this way. I thought I was the only one. And now you know that you aren't. Also, in the group experience, um, it, it takes a little bit longer. It's still six sessions, but the group experience will be two hours long instead of one hour for individual. That's just a little practical piece. Um, and it costs less to go through the group experience than it does the individual experience. I think that there's benefits to both ways. So it just depends on what is the experience that you want to have. And you may have the group experience and decide, you know what? I really want to do this on my own. I want to go through the individual experience, or maybe you'll start it with the individual and say, I'd like to hear what the group has to say. So it's not either or. It doesn't have to be that way, but I think you should start where you're the most comfortable um, and what your budget will allow. That's mm -hmm. that, Those are the two big differences, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, even the, the combination aspect too, that somebody could decide to go into the group, but then realize that as they're applying the tools to different things that have happened to them in their life, that they may want someone on one time with, with the practitioner to be able to really maybe go a little bit deeper into, into what some of those things could be. Right. When you have a group, you may only have five minutes of processing after you get the information for each individual person. And somebody may want more than that. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Now, I've heard you mention this before, too, that for, for people that are considering getting certified in your program, that an element or a comment that you've heard is that, well, what happens if you know, I have a client and I only work with them six times and now they have all the information that, that they need to know to help themselves and then they don't come to me anymore. So it's almost like, like a <laughs> short-lived relationship, right? Which in cases like therapy where people could be in therapy for years and from the stories that I've heard from even some of my clients because I, I feel like therapy or counseling is, is different than coaching. And I think you kind of shared, you know, the difference of how the counselors are applying mental freedom versus how the coaches are applying it. So there is that difference, but it's, it's different than just coming and opening up and, and venting about, you know, something that you're upset about and then walking away with no practical tools or suggestions about how you help yourself. I like I that I like how did that work that you you just go and you vent for an hour pay a lot of money to do that but then the person doesn't give you any practical tools to say okay this is how you get yourself out of that situation or this is how you could look at it differently or this is so you know what's your what's your what's your comment on that when people say well why would I want to get certified on this when you know, people don't need to then come to me for years, which that's the part that I love, right? Because we have empowered people with the tools they need to be to help themselves and adding mental freedom as a tool in their toolkit, right? right. That it, this is not to say any of the tools that we incorporate, they're not the be all end all that when I decided to become 
certified in your program, I have lots of other certifications too. So it was like, oh, amazing. Here I have another tool that I can in include in my toolkit that when I work with my clients, it's like, okay, I can use a bit of this, I can use a bit of that, or I can just use this exclusively if that's what the client wants. But it is about arming ourselves with a whole bunch of different tools and skills that we can apply to any, again, any situation that comes our way. So I, what would you say, again, just to that comment about, you know, the six sessions? Well, I find it funny. I taught a therapist once. He was one of my first individual clients in mental freedom. And he's, he's an owner of a practice with about 60 counselors. And he said, oh, after the first session, he says, oh, I want to bring you in. I want you to teach all my counselors. This stuff is amazing. And by the end, he said, I can't bring you in. If you teach my therapist how to cure people in six sessions, I'll be out of business. And I just laughed because, first of all, that will never happen. You're not going to be out of business. In fact, what will happen is your clients will be done in six sessions and they'll tell everybody they know, I have this therapist that gave me everything I need in six sessions and I don't have to go back again. It is... Uh, stunning how I think you your practice will expand and grow. I know mine has just by word of mouth with people learning mental freedom, they're sending people to me. And it's, it's such a joy to be able to empower people to help themselves and to heal themselves. Mm -hmm. I think a lot is going to depend on what the primary need of the counselor is. Because if the counselor's primary need is, say, uh, connection, they're going to feel like they're not doing their job if they don't stay connected with their clients and help them through all of the things that they might be going through. So they're going to want to keep them coming. They're going to, they're going to, and, and if their need is, and this is the the ugly side of that, but if their need is survival and they need this client to keep paying their monthly or their weekly fee so that they can pay their own bills, they also have an interest in keeping them coming. And I'm not trying to, uh, you know, disparage any counselors, but I have had counselors come to me and say, my boss who owns this big counseling practice says I'm discharging clients too soon. It, it hurts the budget. And so I know that that's a real consideration. But people like you and I, Teresa, who value mm -hmm. significance and freedom, we want people to have that for themselves. Mm -hmm. So we don't want them to keep coming to us forever and ever and ever. I love sending my clients out into the world with these tools and saying, you have everything you need. If you run up against something and you get confused or you're overwhelmed or you need some additional help, come back. I'm always here for you. I'm not abandoning you or leaving you. And if you get done with the six sessions and you feel like you're not ready to end, I'll continue to see you for some time until you feel equipped enough to go out and do it on your own. But I never feel a need to try to keep people connected to me because I feel that there's a... a bigger spiritual connection that happens when you've been the person that's been able to help someone be more uh, self-efficacy or have more self-efficacy mm -hmm. or, or be able to solve their problems better. So I don't think you have to worry about running out of clients. I think you'll have more than you can handle. Mm -hmm. Maybe they'll 
my goal with mental freedom is to eradicate self-created misery in the world. That's my goal. I don't think I'm going to reach it by the time I'm done doing this work, but I also am trying to collect younger people who can help me um, carry on that goal into the future. And maybe at some point there's going to be a world where everybody knows all these tools mm -hmm. and that will be amazing. But then there'll be other things that they need to learn. So I'm already thinking about advanced mental freedom because there's some things that have come up that aren't in the first book. And so maybe we'll extend mental freedom to a second set of six sessions as people start to learn the first and we find there's layers that haven't been addressed yet. That'll be an advanced mental freedom. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's limiting. I actually think it's expansive. Have you found that also? Yes, and we, you and I have talked about adding some other layers to the program, um, such as a, a more spiritual layer co um, component to it, that I think it's in there. And me being um, so tied to the inclusion of our spiritual self, that for me, happiness is an innate quality of our spiritual self, that it's not just a state of mind, it's not just an emotion, that it is a state of being, that happiness is who we are, and that it's a, a, about aligning the other aspects to ourselves. So for me, that spiritual component is an important piece because it is an element of ourselves that we need to incorporate. And it is like that fountain of youth inside of us. It is that place of us within us that is always whole, healed and complete. So it is essential that we that we also include that part of ourselves in, in the healing process, let's say. And so um, we've talked about being able to add, you know, having that additional layer on top of it and maybe, you know, highlighting that a little bit more in the program, but you know, where it is right now, it just really applies to everybody. And I think the practitioner is able to really kind of gauge who they're working with and how much they could, you know, bring that element in. I always feel like there is, there is no accident to things that everything happens for a reason. And I know that the people that I work with, the universe has brought us together. And so I know that they're most likely open to be able to to talk more about that component and while we're going through the mental freedom program. Yes. And I do think that it it is written in there without being explicitly stated. So someone like yourself as a practitioner, if that's some area that you concentrate on, you can find examples of that throughout the program. And one of the biggest ones I think is consistently asking yourself, who do I want to be? It's that being essence that you're talking about. Do I want to be happy? Do I want to be free? Do I want to be significant and powerful? Do I want to be safe? Do I want to be joyous? And so when we know what we want to be, then it is about just aligning our behavior with that process of becoming that person that we truly want to be. And I think that's what mental freedom does for people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And... And I'm interested in actually explicitly writing that spiritual component part for mental freedom. So I don't want you to think that that's not something that's on the table. It is. But I've got to get this book out first. Um, we have a publication date. I haven't been able to share that with you because uh, it just happened uh, yesterday. 
but I had wanted to publish in January. That was my push. Uh, sometimes when you have mental freedom, you have to be flexible with things. And my flexibility has brought me now to a definite publication date of June 5th. So the book is coming out in June. And uh, I think that that's just going to be an exciting time. And if somebody is listening to this and they want to get notice of when the book is actually available, of course, it'll be on Amazon and other places. But you can go to um, courses.olverinternational.com. And I'll give you this link because um, it may people may not know how to spell Olver and all of that. But it's um, forward slash MF hyphen book hyphen excerpt. And you can get one of the chapters from the book. You'll get that right away. You can read it and decide, is this something I want to read the rest of, and I'll send you an email when the book is available. Mm -hmm. So that's just the a link I wanted to give people in case they want more. Mm -hmm. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited. Uh -huh. okay, I was just away. Sorry. No, I was just going to say, I was just, I was just away last week in Mexico and wrote the last word. So it's with editing now and it's going to take some time with them. But June 5 is the date. Yeah, that's so exciting. Yes, congratulations. Thanks so much. Now, um, Kim, we've talked about so many wonderful things um, in our chat today. And I know you also had uh, a list of a couple questions um, to highlight some components. And I am, I'm just wondering if I feel like we've touched on a lot of them, but was there something that maybe you wanted to ask me as well? Yeah, we covered most of them. There's two that I would still like to ask you. So I know you were one of the people that so kindly agreed to help me with the research. So you got certified for $1. That was the deal. Oh. If you were willing to help me with my research and you did by using this with clients of your own. So one of the things I wanted to know is in your application of mental freedom, did you or your clients experience any light bulb moments that you're willing to share with us? Of course, uh, protecting confidentiality. Mm -hmm. So I had a client who is now in her 40s who felt that an experience that she had a, as a teenager with one of her like first boyfriends, there was some abuse there um, in that relationship that she was carrying with her and had noticed that she was bringing that into her current marriage and that although her husband um is, was an like amazing person um she would never have to like fear him doing you know anything of um of the sort of like what happened to her when she was younger but she was carrying that right that whether you know she's probably thinking about it sometimes but even on a, on a subconscious or unconscious level how it gets applied to like everyday situations that would come up for her. And she was able to use in particular um, the lesson, the narrative in her head that she was carrying around a story um, of that situation and her uh, part in it all um, 
And that going through the tenets of that tool that particular week allowed her to really think about the story that she'd been carrying around from that relationship and her participation in it and the things that he had done to, to create a whole new story and one that brought her so really so much peace and that she was able to let go of this of this pain that she had been carrying for so long and she there there were so many wonderful breakthroughs like through through the whole time that I worked with her but I think that that was the large that was the biggest one there were many that came that she just she was she also had a background of depression where there could be um, moments where she'll go in, no, that like she'll go into depression and then work herself out of it. Um, she really felt that mental freedom at the time that we were working, she felt herself going into one of those episodes again, um, but felt that she was able, she was so glad that she was working with me at the time because I was giving her the tools that she was managing to cope through what was going on. And, and coping, again, are, are skills that many of us don't have. We're not taught how to cope through situations that happen. And so she, um, she was really able to not have to go into that dark place because we were in the program at the time. And this aha moment for her around being able to let go it was so healing for her and that she could really come to a place of forgiveness for herself that she had been carrying the role that she played in the relationship. But she was able to realize that she was a young girl at the time. And with the information that she had, as you said, for week number two, she did the best that she could. And same thing with him that under the situation and the knowledge he had and, and that he was doing the best that he could to get his needs met. And was it the right way? Was it the just way? Was it the good way? No. And so there's so, again, there's, it's like amazing that it wasn't just to say just that week with the narrative, but oftentimes we find the tools overlapping each other, right? That we can use a component of this and a component of that to be able to work through whatever it is that's upsetting us. And I think that for those people who have, I mean, I think there is still a bit of a, a stigma, right? Around therapy and counseling. And a lot of men are like, no, no, you know, I don't need that. I don't need that. And it's like, this right. is not, this is not what this is, right? That this is giving everybody doesn't matter what what age you are the tools that you need to be able to work through and it is empowering yourself with that knowledge so that you can do that for yourself yes and one other thing i thought about as you were talking two things actually but the first one that i'll say is um we have six tools but there's no requirement that you have to use them because sometimes we are willing to sacrifice our mental freedom for something that's more important for us. The first lesson about responsibility, and we talk about you increase your mental freedom when you stop taking responsibility for other people. But 
you may get, it may be more important for you to take responsibility for your adult child who might be um, using drugs inappropriately. So you may want to do that and say, I'll sacrifice my mental freedom. Of course, we talk about what that might be doing to their child um, in a way that may have you make a different decision, but you don't have to implement any of this program if you don't want to. It's information that you get that you can use when you're ready or when you want to. So that's one thing. And the other thing that you talked about that I wanted to say when we were talking about the unconditional trust challenge but didn't get to was I think one of the most powerful parts of the unconditional trust challenge is we get to use it with ourselves mm -hmm. and the regrets that we have from our past. And when we can recognize that no matter what your regret is, if you think back to who you were in that moment, you know you did absolutely the best thing you could to get what you wanted in that moment. You might say, oh, but I shouldn't have done that. I should have done this. Yeah, but it wouldn't have gotten you what you wanted in that moment. And that's why you chose to do what you did. I can say that with certainty without even knowing what your moment was about. Mm -hmm. So I really like that because from that, then you go to understanding and compassion and forgiveness. And I think all of us, the biggest relationship we have that gives us the most trouble is the relationship we have with ourselves. So if we can learn to forgive ourselves for those past transgressions and recognize we were doing the best we could, I think it's really going to help. Mm -hmm. So one of the things I've come to say about mental freedom is like if you scroll through Instagram or Facebook and you see these beautiful memes about, you know, you can only control yourself or the most important thing is not what happens to you. It's what, what you think about what happens to you or your response to it or all of these things that have kind of become just pat sayings that we all know are true. Well, maybe not everybody, but most of us know are true. But it's like, okay, so now what? So, yeah, I know that. But it's with the stories that you realize where you're not following that meme of for life, if you will, and also mental freedom gives you the tools to be able to understand how to actually do that. It's not just read this thing and say, oh, yeah, I got it. Mm -hmm. That's the head stuff, right? You learn you learn the more uh, how to actually implement that. The last thing I wanted to ask you, just because we've talked a lot about mental freedom since I've you know, since our association. And I wonder if the, if you had to boil it down to just one thing that you like best about mental freedom, what would you say that it is? That it's a return to peace for me, that mental freedom and peace feel so synonymous to me and that our essential self is loving at peace and happy. It is, that's our natural, our natural instinct is, is to be that, although the world pulls us away. So it's important mm -hmm. to know what we can do to bring us back to that place of peace and our peace is not, you know, at the meditation center or at the yoga or, or wherever location you think you're or on vacation, wherever you think it is. Peace is who you are. <laughs> you bring your peace everywhere you go. And when you make time to connect with that peace at the yoga center, when you're out in nature, when you're on that hike, when you're exercising, when you're listening to your music, whatever you're, it is that you're doing, where now you're like, oh, I feel so at peace. Well, it's just because now you're you're tuned into it. 
because it's always there for you to feel. And so mental freedom is that return to peace that in any moment we can, you know, if you have the cheat sheet, you can look to that cheat sheet. If you can't, you know, recall all of the tools, maybe in that moment to say, okay, which tool can I apply to re to return me back to the peace that I am? Beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much. It has just been such a joy for me to be connected to you and have this mental freedom journey together. Um, And I thank you for the opportunity to talk about it today and to hear your perceptions and your experiences with it. So I just want to thank you so much again. I want to thank you so much as well for for selecting me to be one of the practitioners, you know, in your worldwide network of people to have selected me to be one of your Canadian uh, practitioners that every week I was so excited to like to know what was the next tool? What was the next tool (laughs) every week? And I still feel like that when I teach it, it's like, I can't wait to share the next tool with you because it. They are, they're such, honestly, such great tools. And so, because you gave us the choice, you said, if it doesn't resonate with you, you don't have to go through with it. And I was like, oh no, like you had me hooked, like right from the beginning that as, you know, I have certifications and a whole bunch of different programs that for me, I feel like, okay, it's another tool, another tool, another tool that I can add to my toolkit that'll allow me to help other people and to help yourself, of course. And so because every day it's like my vibration is like this. But the amazing thing is that I'm never like this. It's not this roller coaster of like, oh, now I'm like a extreme low and I have to get back up here. No, it's just this like little fluctuation that when something pulls me away, I recognize it right away. I'm like, I'm out of alignment. What can I do to bring me back? And I have a whole toolkit of things and mental freedom is one of those tools that brings me back to that to that place of peace so I want to thank you so much for for allowing me to be one of your certified practitioners that I was able to help you with that research um, process and I think that that also is amazing because it it adds that extra element of credibility to your program that there was research that was involved in proving the efficacy of of the program and and that you had so many people from around the world that were all collecting that research that all contributed to um you know when you're going to put that out and, and release all of that so i thank you i thank you so much thank you for your time today and in, in being a part of the show and uh, allowing you know just the both of us to really talk about more about what mental freedom is all about and and how it can make a difference in the world because that's what you and I are doing we're just trying to make a positive difference and trying to help as many people as we can so I want to thank you as well thank you Now, Kim, just one last thing. If people want to learn more about you, um, sign up for your book that's going to be released, find out about the certification process. If this is, you know, if it resonated with someone who's thinking that they want to add this also as another tool to their toolkit as a practitioner, where can uh, people find out more? Well, I would have, I would send them to my general website, which is Olver, and that's spelled O-L-V as in Victor, E-R, the word international.com. And international is spelled out. So olverinternational.com, 
Everything about mental freedom is on the mental freedom tab. So you can click on mental freedom. You'll find out about mental freedom coaching, the certification program, the book, um, everything you want to know about mental freedom is there. You'll also see that we have coaching programs. We have publishing that we do. We have a writer's group. There's a lot of things happening at Old for International. But the main thing that we're doing these days is mental freedom. And I can't wait to share it with people. I already gave you the link for the book. So I'll send that to you and you can add that to the show notes. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you again for being on the show today. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I'd like to leave you with the thought for the day. On today's show, you learned about a program that can help give you the tools you need to be bigger than anything that ever happens to you. If we are going to be happier and feel more fulfilled, then we must take a more active approach to designing the life we want. So how do we do that? Well, with courage, honesty, dedication, and consistency, we can take the steps we need to change our lives for the better. The first step is awareness. Becoming aware of the thoughts, beliefs, relationships, and, and circumstances in your life that aren't serving you and have you living a life you're unhappy with. Next is deciding what you want and focusing on it by giving your brain direction. What do you want physically, emotionally, and spiritually in your personal and professional life? Then it's making a commitment to do away with negative and limiting beliefs about yourself, to change the paradigms that are having you playing small in your life, and to be a victor and an active participant in creating the life you want. Last is taking consistent action to consciously take the new steps needed to advance your life in the direction you desire. As powerful creators, we have the ability to manifest the life of our dreams. We have all the gifts within us to make this happen. Remembering who and what we really are can assist us with taking steps in the direction of the extraordinary life we always dreamed of but never thought was possible. As the poet Rumi said, what you seek is seeking you. So the extraordinary life you innately wanted to live here on earth is also urging you to live it. So what are you waiting for? I invite you to check out my services on my website at teresagreco.ca for more information about my coaching work, workshops, and motivational speaking opportunities. You can connect with me through my website, on my Instagram page at Teresa underscore Steps to Happiness, or my Facebook page, Steps to True Happiness with Teresa Greco. Thank you so much for joining me here on the happy hour. Keep smiling and be happy.